good morning, afternoon, or evening for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. God, I want the Holy Ghost, God, to touch every part of my life right now, God, where I'm struggling, in the middle of my trial, in the middle of my test, God. Lord, I need your spirit to come, God. Lord, I need your spirit to come. Is that your prayer today, church? Let's cry out to him for a moment. Let's cry out to him for a moment. He's worthy of praise in this house. He wants to minister. He wants to do something supernatural. He wants to heal bodies. He wants to set people free today. And God, we're desiring you to move. God, we didn't come just together to see our friends and to to greet one another. But God, we've come, God, with, with a purpose in our heart, God. We want you to minister, God. We want you to touch. We want your spirit to God be in this place. God, if we gather together and it's just us, God, we've wasted our time. But God, if we come together, God, and your spirit is here. If your spirit begins to minister, God, to the innermost parts of my being, God, then we've touched you. We've ministered to you, God, and you can minister to us in that time, God. I praise you, O God. I worship you, O God. You're worthy of praise. That's right, church. Let's just take a moment and talk to him right now. Just take a moment and talk to him right now. Jesus, we need you in this place. God, we need you in this place, God. Over life, church, today, God. God, we want an open heaven over our lives and our families today, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is able. How many believe God's able to touch today? How many believe that God's able to heal today? How many believe that God's able to provide today for whatever you're needing in this place? He's the almighty God. He's the all-powerful God. He's the God that sets free. He's the God that heals. He's the God that makes a way where there is no way. I'm grateful that I'm serving that kind of a God today. Hallelujah. Go ahead and greet your brother, your sister. Welcome them to Life Church. It's great to see you here today. What great worship we had today in God's house. Amen. Thank the worship team for leading us into a great time of worship today. Amen. As Pastor Ray mentioned earlier, this coming Sunday is going to be a great Sunday here at Life Church. Um, it's hard to believe that. Um, I've been back in Canada for five years. Wow. Where have the years gone? Um, And then I look at my kids and I realize how much they've grown in the last five years. And I think, man, they have gone from little kids to to young adults. And uh, God's done great things. I thank God for what he's done. So plan on being here next Sunday. Uh, We're going to have Pastor Raymond Woodward, one of my dear friends. He's going to be with us. And uh, he's going to be ministering the Word of God. This, this guy is one of the great pastors. He speaks all over, really, the world. Um, if you knew his March schedule, um, I think when I talked to him in February, he was going to be back home four days in the month of March. He was starting off in the Philippines. He was coming home for a weekend or p- part of a weekend. He was going to be in South Florida, back home for a day. He was going to be in um, Alexandria, Louisiana at their church. He was going to be somewhere else, back in Louisiana for the district conference, coming to visit us for a Sunday. He comes in on Saturday night, leaves Sunday morning, home for a day, and then he's off somewhere else in the world. He just travels all the time. He's a renowned speaker. Um, God uses him in a great way. What a great Bible teacher. You'll be blessed by the Word of God next Sunday. Everybody say two services. It's not just one service next week. It's, as Pastor Ray said, it's twice in the month of March. We have two services. Plan on being here. Plan on uh, coming back next Sunday night. Um, the Word of God will be rich, and uh, we thank you for being a part of the celebration. Um, five years. It's only the beginning. All right. You ready for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. This, um, we're back in our Open Heaven series, 
and I thank God for what God is doing. Of course, two weeks ago, we kicked this series off with week one, and I had several of you tell me, people that have been in church um, all their lives, tell me how much the Word of God challenged them in week one of Open Heaven. And um, have you been praying the Open Heaven prayer over your lives? Amen? Who's been praying the Open Heaven prayer? All right, there's a few of these in the lobby um, over there where the, the greeters are. Uh, we printed a few extras. If you want to take another one today, don't take them all because sometimes some of the people didn't get some last time. Make sure you get one. Put it in your Bible. Um, it's actually available. We can give you the digital copy. You can put it in your phone. I use mine digitally. I pray it um, pretty much every day of life, and I am seeing God do great things. What is open heaven? We're going to just kind of quickly do a quick review. Um, FYI. You've got the handout today, but also if you want to go to your um, Uversion app, you can go live with the notes. Um, Uversion, go to the bottom right corner. There's going to be some lines. Click on the lines. Find the word events. When you click on events, it'll find you in the building. Uh, you'll know where you're at Life Church. Click on Life Church, and then you will have the sermon notes digitally. You can add notes to it, um, and then but you got to hit save, and then they'll be available in your save folder in you version after the service. Everybody got it? Yeah. All right. How, how many digital users are, do we have? Let me, just, let me see your hand and your phone right now for a second. All right. About half of you guys are, are doing the digital version. Of course, there's the paper version as well if you want to use that. Open heaven. I, I want to live under an open heaven. Yes. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to live so that I have access to the throne of God. I, I don't know if anybody with me here today. How many want to live that when, when you need something from God, God hears, God answers, God, God is just there with the answer as quick as you ask? I want to be there. I, I want, when I pray for something, that I have direct access to the throne of God, that all the resources of heaven be it provision, be it blessing, be it a miracle, that I, can, I have access to it when I pray. And we're seeing God do some amazing things. But let, before we talk and, and read through this prayer and pray this prayer again today, what I want to do is I want to just review week one in case you weren't there. Um, we did make it available for those of you that missed week one. Did you get a digital copy that you could listen to in your email this week, some of you? Well, then um, it's there. Guys, if you go to the website, you can't just find it. It's not open on the website. But if you go to lifechurch.ca slash sermons, you will find the digital copies of this sermon series. So if you missed one, you can hear it again. You might want to listen to it again. I actually went through it this week when I got the copy. This is the first time we've done this. I got the copy. I actually sat down and listened to me preach for the first time in a long time. That's, that's a really interesting thing to do, is to hear yourself preach. It was actually quite good. <laughs> I was quite impressed. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, at least I wasn't disappointed, right? <laughs> Week one, we talked about the principle of first. Everybody say first. The principle of first is that we got to make God first in every part of our lives. God wants us to honor him first. God must be first in my life. The principle of first encompasses three sub-principles, and they are this. They are firstborn, firstfruits, and the tithe. Really, it's, it's one in the same principle. All these things, firstborn, firstfruits, and the tithe, they all belong to God. He wants all of them. Firstborn, we learned that the firstborn must either be sacrificed or redeemed. If I bring to God the firstborn, I'm not giving anything away that I won't get back. But when I give it, he redeems everything that is left. And so it's not like I'm giving anything up. I'm not really losing anything because God redeems the remaining portion. That's the firstborn principle. First fruits, the Bible lets us know that we must bring first fruits to the house of God. If you have increase, if, if there's growth in your income, for those people, if there was some, some animals born in the household, if there was some produce that was raised or, or grown in your fields, 
Jericho was our example there that the spoil of Jericho belonged to God. Why, why did God want all of Jericho's spoil? Why did he say don't touch any of it? It's because it was the first city that was conquered in the new land, the promised land. And so the first fruits, the Bible basically tells us, the spoil, the, the first fruits principle, it all belongs to God. And then the tithe, of course, we learned in the word of God that the tithe must be first. You can keep it for yourself if you want to. And people do it all the time. But when you keep it for yourself, the Bible lets us know that your money, all of it is cursed. But if you give it, then the 90% that is left over, it's blessed and it's redeemed. It's a supernatural principle in the word of God. And we learned, of course, at the end of that message that there's seven great promises for those who tithe. How many want the blessed blessings? How many want the promises? If you're a tither, let's read these verses. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open, this is the first promise, for you the windows of heaven and promise to and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will, three, rebuke the devourer for your seeks. And so that he, number four, will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Number five, nor shall the vine fail to bring fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Six, and all nations will call you blessed. Amen. I'm glad that people can call me blessed because I'm a tither. And number seven, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I thank God for the open heaven that's over my life. I thank God for the open heaven that's over our church. I thank God for those of you that have understood this principle and you're seeing God do great things in your life. I mentioned in that week, and we're going to pray this prayer together before I jump into today's lesson, but I, I mentioned last or two weeks ago that I received a great check just unexpectedly. Wow, praise God. It just showed up because I'd been praying this prayer and I've been believing God that God was going to have an open heaven. And I, I said before, it wasn't just a $500 check. It wasn't just a $1,000. It wasn't just a $2,000 check. It was multiple thousands just like landed in my lap. I live under an open heaven. Life Church, over the last little while, I've been praying an open heaven over it. And Life Church received a very substantial check. That just showed up. That's what God does when you live under an open heaven. Sister Ann is here. Let me see if I can get one of these mics that might work. I'm using this mic right here, guys. If I know how to turn this thing on, is it the red button on the bottom? Sister Ann, I kind of alluded to it last week, but Sister Ann had a, an open heaven blessing that showed up in her life. And I wanted her to stand real quick. And just tell you guys what, what happened, went down in her life. She's praying this prayer. She's faithful in her tithe. She's faithful in her offerings. What, what did God do, Sister Ann? We serve a God of abundance. And it's been my goal, my prayer in 2019, that I would have a mindset of abundance and not a mindset of scarcity. Because the mindset that you have is how you're going to give and how you're going to live. And I've been praying this open heaven prayer since we started this series. And a week ago, Tuesday... I stopped at the ATM on my way to work, and um, I checked the receipt. The balance was significantly higher than I knew should be there, and I figured I would check my online banking when I had the chance. I didn't have time, and went to staff meeting that night, come home, mail's on the table. There's an envelope there from the CRA. Well, I haven't filed my 2018 taxes. I haven't even started them. Last year, I had to pay, so I didn't know what was going to be in this envelope. I opened it up, and it was a reassessment of my 2017 income tax return, and they refunded me over $7,000. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. When does the CRA give money back? It does happen, but you know what? That's, that's what God can do when the windows of heaven are open. And I, I've had several, several of you tell me some things that have happened. But, but let's all stand together. We're going to pray this prayer together again today. Um, I want us to pray this open heaven prayer because I believe when we pray it, 
God answers prayer. Amen? Amen. Do you believe God answers prayer when you pray? So together, on the screen, let's let's pray. Let's not read words. Let's pray this with power and authority. Amen? Amen? On the authority of the word of God and through the power of the name of Jesus, since I have given, your word says, it shall be given unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither and I am a giver. I bring my tithes and offerings into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked and the curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. You will pour out your blessings upon me that there is not room enough to receive it. I will receive jobs and promotions, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts dismissed, building and property. I pray for an open heaven over my family. My greatest desire is that my whole family will be saved and walking with God in perfect health, abundance, and walking in his divine favor and blessing. I pray that they will dedicate their lives completely to God and the work of his kingdom. I pray for an open heaven over Life Church and over every individual and ministry. Pour out your anointing upon everything we do for your kingdom and keep us unified for the cause of revival in Burlington and its surrounding cities. Your word tells me that I am blessed going in, I am blessed going out, and everything I do will prosper. I pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And it is so. Now let's thank God for hearing our prayer right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the open heaven, God. I thank you for the blessings, God. I thank you for the miracles, God. I thank you for the signs and wonders. God, I thank you for all that you're doing right now, God, and all that you want to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. So that was week one. And and I thank God. It was a little bit heavy for some people, I know. It was a heavy dose of truth. But, But there are some great principles in the word of God that if we would get them everybody say get them it's going to set us into an atmosphere and a time in our lives where we will begin to see what God will do when we are submitted and when we are honoring him with the first amen now why is it that there are so many Christians that don't operate with this principle why is it that there are so many of us that kind of push this one away oh the pastor's talking about giving again uh it's it's not for me i i do my part i do what i think i need to do no the bible is very clear about this and i believe the enemy has confused us the enemy has enemy has deceived us into not seeing what the word of god says because he knows the power of the word of god he knows the potential blessings that is for the people of god if we would get this principle many christians they respond incorrectly to the message of of giving and tithing I've heard them say, this is usually one of the lines, that tithing, that's a principle that's under the law. It's not for me. I no longer live under the law. I'm under grace, and so I don't need to tithe. Now, this is not in my notes, but I want to tell you, all those principles that were under the law, when Jesus was living and telling the people what to do under this new dispensation, the New Testament, the principle didn't get less it got even more intense. Under grace, the principle increased in requirements. Under the old law, it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. 
That was what the law said. Jesus took that principle, and what did he say? Okay, that's the law. But I say, if a man looks on a woman with lust in his heart, he's committed adultery in his heart. He, he raised the standard. So if you're saying, okay, I don't do it because it's not, it's in the law, it's, I'm under grace, well, guess what? He might be expecting more from you. But we're not going to go there right now. But what, I want to kind of make sure that you understood that the principle of first, first fruits, firstborn, and the tithe, it's throughout the whole Bible. It's not just found in the law. Here are a couple of exam examples. The first one, we find that tithing predates the law of Moses by about a thousand years. Abraham, number one, he tithed to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is one of those interesting people in the word of God. He's really a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 14, we're going to read three verses here. I, I tried to decide which translation to read it out of. Um, you know, sometimes the word of God is plainer for us to understand in different. So I chose the new living for this one. It says, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priest of God most high, brought Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. This is what Melchizedek said. Blessed be Abraham by God most high creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Abraham's coming back from, from a, a victory. He had spoil with him. And, and this king of Salem, Melchizedek, he blesses Abraham and the God of Abraham. Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Everybody say tenth. He gave a tithe. This is a thousand years before the law says you must tithe. Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth. First fruits. He, he, he gave of the increase. He took a tenth of it and he gave it to Melchizedek. First example. Second example in the word of God even goes before, before this. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and I've called these Adam and Eve's garden instructions. This is really, it's not stated it's firstborn, it's not stated it's first fruits, but let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. You might say he was a steward of the garden. It wasn't his garden, he was to manage the garden. Amen? Someone say he wasn't the owner. He was the manager. He was the steward. That's the old word that we don't use very much anymore. He was the manager of the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Doesn't that sound good? Just it's all yours. Whatever fruit you want to have, you want this tree, that tree, that, that one's orange, that one's yellow, that one's green, whatever. It's all yours to eat. Wow, that's awesome, God. But, everybody say but. Verse 17 says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God says, even in the garden of even, this place of perfection, where it all is yours for your consumption, there's something that is mine. Don't touch it. Don't eat it, don't partake of it, don't consume it. Adam, he was given stewardship over the garden. He, if he was going to be a faithful steward of the garden, he, he could have fruit as much as he wanted from all the trees of the garden except the one. The truth here today, it's in your notes. Do not consume for yourselves the thing or the things that God has told you not to consume. It, it, there's a hefty penalty that comes from consuming something that God has told us not to. And that's how the tithing principle works. God gives us the ability to steward the resources that come into our lives. He, he's told us that, you know, it, it all belongs to him anyhow. 
You might think it's your bank account and it's your house and it's your car and it's your cottage at the lake and it's, it's your retirement. You might think all of that, but really the Bible lets us know that he owns it all. Sometimes we think we own it. It's, it's mine, but no, the Bible doesn't tell us it's ours. It's his. But as a steward, as a manager, he says that we can use it for our consumption, except there's a part that he says you can't consume. It's not for your, your consumption. It's not for you to spend. And that is the tithe. He said it's the first fruits. He said, really, the tithe, the first fruits are mine, says the Lord, the word of God says. So when we bring the tithe to God, when I, when I make my tithe e-transfer, when I, when I give my tithe, I am being a good steward. But God says you can take the rest of it and you can spend it. Of course, we've got to be wise with how we spend the rest of it because it's God's money. I'm just managing it for him. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to blow it on some lottery ticket. Amen? So, um, praise God. It, it seems like an easy thing to do, you know, $10 or whatever it is, and you possibly could win all this money. There's a better way. There's a way that causes the blessings of God to rest on you. There's a way that you're going to never, ever lack. You're going to be living with abundance and blessing. And, and God's got your back every single time. And that's the principle of stewardship. The principle of the first fruits. Honoring God with the first fruits. Bringing the tithe into the house of God. And the blessings of God follow. Now those are two Old Testament examples. Now you say, well, it's not in the New Testament. Yes, it is in the New Testament. Tithing is in the New Testament. In fact, the, the, the example I've got here, Jesus affirmed the tithe. He, he had some good things to say. In fact, he said in his word, you ought to tithe. That's what Jesus said. Matthew 23 and 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Come on now, Jesus. He was talking to the scribes, the religious leaders, the Pharisees of that day, and Jesus was kind of giving them a scolding. But before he really scolds them, he kind of starts calling them a couple of names, but then he praises them a little bit. He says, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. What are those things? Well, that's, that's herbs. He says, you, you, you Pharisees, you do some good. You have a little herb garden, and it produces new, fresh herbs. He says, you're so particular about this first fruits idea and principle in the Word of God that you tithe on your herb garden. <laughs> These guys took tithing seriously. Their little mint bush grew a little bit more, and they said, okay, i got to give my tithe of that to God. The little anise plant grew some, and the cumin plant grew, and they, they brought the tithe of their herb garden to God. And then he says, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He said, these you ought to have done. You, you, you need to tithe. You ought to tithe. But he said, don't leave the other things undone. He didn't say you don't have to tithe. He said, no, you ought to tithe. But there are some other things that you need to make sure that are a priority in your life, like justice and mercy and faith. So Jesus puts his affirmation on this principle of first from the Old Testament. The principle that was pre-law. The principle, of course, was many, many verses in the law that says it's a priority. But Jesus in the New Testament, he firms, affirms that principle. You see, tithing is not some punishment on the people of God. Sometimes you might feel like it is. It's not some grim duty that you must do begrudgingly. No, I, I want us to understand that when we tithe, there's some amazing blessings. There's some amazing promises that are tied to that tithe in the Word of God. And so I want to experience those benefits for myself. Now, I, I, I found this this week. This was just a powerful example of tithing in the Old Testament. And I thought I wanted to bring this to Life Church. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Chronicles. 
chapter 31. And we're going to read a couple of verses here. 2 Chronicles 31 and verse 5, it says, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel, they brought in abundance. What did they bring? They brought the first fruits of the grain and the first fruits of the wine, first fruits of the oil and first fruits of the honey, and all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. They were serious about this. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah, they brought the tithe of oxen and sheep. When they had babies born, they brought the firstborn. They brought the tithe of that. They brought the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps. I mean, they tithed on everything. The plants grew, they tithed on the plants. The animals birthed new babies, they tithed on that. They tithed on everything, no matter what it was. The Bible says they brought the tithe. A little bit later in that verse, in those verses, King Hezekiah shows up because there's just, the, the house of God is just got so much abundance. There's so many blessings that, that are there in the house of God. King Hezekiah goes to the priest, and he wants to find out what's causing all these heaps of blessing at the house of God. Verse 10, And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, he answered and said, this he answered King Hezekiah's request, like, what's going on here? He said, Since the people began to bring the offering into the house of the Lord, We've had enough to eat. Thank God that the priests had enough to eat. We've had plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people. And what is left is this great abundance. Hallelujah. There's a principle here in the word of God that when the people begin to tithe on everything, that God blessed them even more. Well, they blessed, got blessed even more. That meant more tithes into the house of God. And the more that tithes came in and the more God blessed them, it was just this vicious circle of, of the blessings of God and the abundance that God poured out on them. I don't think that the North American church, the Canadian church, has really experienced this principle yet. I really don't think we've experienced it to the way God wants us to experience the, the results of the tithe is that the people were blessed that, that's the first thing i, I want to be blessed that's why i'm a tither i, I want to follow the principle of god's word i want to give my tithe i don't want to keep it for myself because i don't want my finances to be cursed by god and i want the work of god to be provided for just imagine what could happen in the church in life church if every person tithed you might say, everybody doesn't tithe. Nope. I'm not going to start pointing fingers right, right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. We don't have a big problem. But, but imagine what would happen if, if every single believer in Canada would tithe, in North America would tithe. Think of the impact that the house of God and the, the work of God could go forth and ministries could be started and ministries could meet needs in the community and, and our world could hear the gospel because missionaries wouldn't be at home begging for money to go back to the field because the North American church were a blessed church and God's flowing resources through our families and if we would just do what we need to do and commit to God that I'm going to be a part of this thing think of what God could do I have the desire one day in the not too distant future that I will not be the only one on pay, paid full-time staff here at Life Church. Now we pay our other key leaders a little just to keep them working. <laughs> it's, it's just an honorarium just to say we're, we're, we appreciate all you do. But I'm looking forward, and I remember being a part of Capital Community Church in Virginia, and I remember the day that it was just Pastor Mitchell on that staff. He was the only paid staff member. But I remember as God began to move the blessings of God over that church. I remember the day that 
I was talking to him, and he, he said, and I didn't know why he was asking the question. He, he, he said, um, how much do you make? Well, he should have known because he could look at my ties and he could just do the math. But he said, how much do you make there at a quant? And I said, well, I make this amount of money. And, and I, I had told my wife, I make such good money, the church will never be able to afford me. <laughs> That's what I said. She said, don't you dare say that again. She took my hand. She prayed over me. I'm, I'm the pastor. She's the, you know, one of the pastor's wives. She said, in Jesus' name, the church is going to be able to afford you. And I, I remember the day that Pastor Mitchell, they, they came to our house, and, and he said, what are you making these days? And I told him. And it, it was a little bit less than $100,000, U.S. dollars. And, and he said, okay. He said, well, we want you to come on full time. He said, there's a lady in our church. I preached a message a few months ago, and there's a lady in the church that walked up at the end of that service, and she said, Pastor Mitchell, what would it take to have Steve O'Donnell full-time on your staff? He, said, he just came up with a number, because then he was trying to verify with me that he had picked the right number. <laughs> and she said, okay, and she sat down, and she wrote the check for my first year's salary and handed it to him. And in, 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 a, in the course of about two years, our church went from one full-time paid pastor to five full-time paid pastors and three support staff, secretaries and support staffs that were able to, the church was making all kinds of money because they were a giving church. Now, I said all that to say this. I'm tired of coming here by myself. I, I do have office hours. I do spend a lot of time in that office. My wife tries to convince me all the time, just work from home. Today. I said, no, I do better when I'm at the church. But I, I'm looking forward that the day that Pastor Jonathan can come on our staff, and he, he, he's, he does so much for this church while working another full-time job. Thank God for Caterpillar who's paying you. May God bless Caterpillar. Because he, he works a lot for this church. Many of his evenings and many of his weekends are given to, to the work of God. But I, I look forward to the day that there's enough resources. There's so much abundance in the house of God that he no longer has to work a job at some other company. But he can spend his hours and his time in the kingdom of God doing kingdom work. And think of how much further we can go faster. Yeah. Sister Ann works a full-time job. She works probably 20 or plus 30 maybe. I don't know how many hours a week for Life Church on her spare time in the midst of trying to do laundry and food and, and cleaning the house and all the other stuff that she's got to do. I'm looking forward to the day that I have a secretary, that I'm not doing secretarial duties on a weekly basis. Because half the time I'm here, i got to do it myself. I don't dare call Ann and say, Ann, can you do this for me? Because I know she's got too much on her plate already. But I, I'm telling you, church, what would God like to do through us if we would only get this principle? There's a principle of the blessings of God that are poured out as people honor God. God honors them. The blessings fall. The tithe increases. And it's a vicious cycle of blessing and abundance. I want it. Do you want it right now? I just, let's clap our hands to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. I believe... That it's the will of God that revival takes place in this region and, and throughout our world. And it's going to happen when God blesses the local church. It's the local church that God's going to flow his resources through. Don't be looking to somebody else. You say, well, I don't have much. God can use your not very much to bless and he can multiply it. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. The Bible says, for where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. Notice here. Now, you've got you to understand this verse. It's not where your heart is. Oh, my heart's into to children. It's not where your heart is. It's where your treasure is. We think that it's treasure follows heart. But it's the other way around. Heart follows treasure. Simple question, where's your treasure today? Because that's where your heart is going to be. Make sure that your treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I don't want to have all my treasures in some account somewhere and not honor God with what he deserves. I want my treasures to be in heaven where moth and thieves cannot break through and steal. 
Amen? Passing the stewardship test. I talked about stewards. We don't use that term much anymore. But steward, we are all stewards of what God has given us. Whatever comes into your household, you are the steward. You are the manager. You're not the owner. God owns it all. You are the steward of it. Everybody say, I'm a steward. steward. And the tithing principle, it's really the, the, one of the greatest tests. Everybody say test. It's one of the greatest tests for every Christian. What does the tithe mean? Tenth. Ten. If you look in the Word of God, I, I was able to kind of do some study this week. The ten is the number in the Word of God that is associated with testing. As you begin to study this out, I'm going to give you just a few quick examples. Pharaoh's heart back in Egypt, he was tested by God with how many plagues? Ten plagues. Your faith in the people's, the children of Israel's obedience was tested with how many commandments? Ten commandments. In Numbers 14 and 22, Israel was tested in the wilderness by ten tests. Jacob's heart was tested by God. His wages were changed by his uncle, guess how many times? Ten times. Daniel, the Bible says, was tested, and the testing lasted for how many days? Ten days. Now, you guys are really good at this. The Revelation Church of Smyrna, Revelation 2 and 10, it was tested how many days? Ten days. You guys are really good. As you see, ten is the number most associated in the Word of God with testing. Every believer's heart. Your your heart is given the ultimate test. Your confidence in God. Your faith in God. Your faith in the Word of God with your tithe. Are you going to believe what the Word of God says? Are you going to follow what the Word of God says or not? Will you honor God with the tithe? Now, I'm so glad that this is not just a test coming towards me. You know what? Usually in a classroom, the teacher hands out the test, and everybody takes a test, but the teacher's not tested. But this is one example in the Word of God where not only is the believer tested, but the one who gives the test God Almighty, it's the only place in the Word of God that we are invited to test Him. It's a two-way test in the Word of God. We're tested, our faith in God, and God is tested when we honor Him to see if His Word is going to come true. Malachi 3.10, we've read this already in this series. Bring all the tithes, how much of the tithes? All the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is that God's house is going to be blessed. And try me now. King James says, prove me now. Other translations says, test me now, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven. And we know that long list, the seven lists of blessings. So the test is, if I do what God says with my finances, I bring the first fruits, I, I give the tithe to God. Let, let's, let's put God to the test. Let's prove God. Let's test him to see if he will come through. Let's take God up on this offer. How many want to put God to the test? You want to see if God's word is true, that those seven blessings will start happening in your life. I challenge you. Here's the challenge. Put God to the test. And I'm I'm, I'm calling it the 90-day challenge. This is not the first time I've done this, by the way. I've talked to people all my pastoral life that have had struggles with the tithe, and I've said to them, I've said, put God to the test. I said, for for 90 days. They said, well, I can't afford it. I said, well, you can't afford not to. I said, do it for how many days? 90 days. And if God doesn't show up, God doesn't come through, you say, well, they said I can't afford to. I can't pay all my bills. I said, you do this for 90 days. And let's watch what God will do. And inevitably, if they are serious and they put God to the test, as they begin to honor God with the the first fruits, with the tithe, somewhere in that 90 days, they'll come back and they'll say, Pastor Steve, guess what God just did? 
They've got raises on the job. They've had unexpected checks in the mail. They've had blessings that were out of nowhere. Because God will not lie according to his word. The Bible says God cannot lie. His word is true. So if you're struggling in this area, 90 days. Everybody say 90 days. And if God doesn't show up, you come and see me. I've said that before, and I've had no one come back to me and tell me that God did not. God will show up. God honors his word. This truth is so simple. If I tithe, I will be blessed. If I don't, okay, you said it. Some of you said it. Now, now the principle of multiplication, let's get to that. God is a God of multiplication. How many like math? Only a few. God is the master of multiplication. Remember the widow and her son back in the Old Testament? They had the cruise of oil, the little bit of flour. What did God do? He just kept multiplying it and multiplying it and multiplying it. He's the master of multiplication. How many can remember the four leprous men outside of the Syrian camp? They decided, you know, let's not stay here till we die. Let's go in there. If they kill us, they kill us. And they started marching towards the Syrian camp. And their little footsteps, they were just walking along. But the Bible says that God, in the ears of the Syrians, he multiplied the sound of their footsteps. They heard horses and chariots and a great army coming towards them. God multiplied that. And when they walked into the camp, everything in the camp was left for them. All the provisions and all the food, and, and there'd been famine. But you know what? Here they are. They walk in. God multiplied the sound of their footsteps. And then in the Word of God, let's turn to Luke chapter 9 and verse 12. This is the story about how God multiplies a boy's lunch. You all know this story for the most part. Here, here in this Luke 9, there was an enormous crowd that had gathered to hear Jesus preaching on this hill. Judean hillside. They, they, they estimated that about 5,000 men were there, plus women and children. I heard one preacher say if there's 5,000 men, there's going to be a lot of women and probably a lot of kids kicking around. They estimate that probably over 20,000 people were there on that hillside that day. And, and Jesus was preaching and teaching along there. And, and you know what? Like as in some services, the preacher sometimes gets a little bit long-winded. Hopefully not today. You know, the, the disciples are thinking, well, he'll be done about noon, and noon comes and goes. Well, maybe at one he'll be done, and he goes past one and past two, and they're getting a little, like, worried. You know, it's 3 o'clock, and, you know, and they start thinking, and 4 o'clock comes and goes. And, and, and this is where the Word of God picks up. As the day wears on, when the day began to wear away, the twelve, who were very concerned, they came and said to him, you know, these, these twelve, they, 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 they were thinking all this time, like, you know, Jesus is going long. Like, the restaurants are going to be closed, and it's a desert place, and what are we going to do? We, we have no food. We can't feed them all. They began to worry about what was going to happen, and so they thought, well, maybe we need to help him and encourage him. It's time to dismiss the message. Close the service and send them one away. Here's what the Bible says. They suggest to Jesus, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. Now think about that for a second. Think about how as a disciple, let's put yourself in the disciples' shoes. If you were one of the disciples, like 20,000 people, there's no Costco, there's no superstore. Like what do we do? There's no kitchen facilities. Scattered, these people are scattered all across this hillside. Like, like, Jesus, like, are you really serious here? And he was serious. He said, you give them something to, to eat. So they look around to find out what was on hand. 
And so they found in, in this crowd, they found a little boy with a sack lunch. And he had, this is, the, this is a Sunday school story for some of you. For the kids upstairs, I'm going to kind of teach it like that. How many fish did he have? Two fish and five loaves of bread. Now, they're not the big loaves, okay? They're, they're not like the loaves that, you know, that are all pre-sliced in the bag. This was like a little, almost like a little baguette, small bun kind of loaf, okay? Not very big. So they think, okay, we'll, we'll go to Jesus and we'll tell him, this is all we got. Maybe he'll be convinced to dismiss and let them all go home. So they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for these people. Now, they're in the deserted place. Where are they going to go buy food? So Jesus will understand now, this is all we got. For there were about 5,000 men. They were sure this was going to convince him. He was probably going to send them home and, you know, everything would be good. And it was like Jesus, when he heard the news that there was only five, you know, loaves and two fishes, like Jesus said, great. Because his response was this. Jesus said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jesus. So um, isn't that like Jesus? These disciples were wondering how God was going to come through with this one. We got, we got 20,000 hungry people. They've sat and listened to Jesus all day long. And now Jesus is saying, go ahead and organize them in groups of 50. That, that's a miracle all in itself when you think about it. Can you imagine counting out 50 with 20,000 people? Okay, you, no, don't, no, no, you, you, you come over. No. They got in groups of 50 and they finally come back to Jesus. And they did it. And he, they made them all sit down. You know, I'm sure the wondering is something like, something like we would do when we're told in the word of God that we're to give the tithe. We know what our little, little paycheck has. We know what's coming in. How, how, how are we ever going to, how can I do this, God? Like, how is this ever going to work? I got, I got the, the mortgage or the rent to pay. I, I got to feed the babies. I, I got I to put gas in the car. God, like, how, how is this going to work? He just said, just do it. So Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed. Everybody say blessed. He blessed and he broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Here, here we have these little buns and these little fish. And now we have even smaller pieces. They're pieces that have been blessed. Thank God it was blessed. And it was broken. He started handing them out. Well, now I got this little small piece of bread or this little half piece of fish, and I got to start giving this out to the people. You know, this miracle didn't really happen in Jesus' hands. This miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. As they took their little, and they began to, it was blessed, they began to break it and give it. Something supernatural took place. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They didn't know how God was going to meet the need. That they were, they were just consistent in the breaking and in the giving. And as they broke it and as they gave it, something supernatural was taking place. The Bible says in verse 17, so all they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Think about that. It started with just two fish and five little loaves. But when it was blessed by God, and then when it was broken and given, something supernatural take place. I've seen this happen in my life. 
I was taught at about six or seven years old age of age to become a tither. I've told you this. I took my $6 and I put my 60 cents in the envelope and I gave it. And all through my life, I've been consistent with tithing. And there have been times where, where you just, you look at the spreadsheet online and it's not going to work out. It, it's just, there's no mathematical formula that makes it work if I give the tithe. It doesn't add up exactly. But I do it. And I've watched God. And at the end of the month, when all the bills are paid and there's extra money that's there, I'm thinking, how did that happen? Because God supernaturally takes what we give and he begins to multiply that thing. Something supernatural. When you are a faithful tither in the midst of looking at your spreadsheet and you know that you can't afford it, but when you do it, that's when the multiplication principle kicks in. It's supernatural. There are two important keys here that I want you to get. Keys to multiplication in the kingdom of God. Number one, something first must be blessed before it can multiply. So what is the first thing? It must be blessed before it can multiply. Many Christians don't understand that their finances are not blessed. If they don't get their finances blessed by the tithe, giving the tithe, giving the first fruits, then their finances are not blessed. God can't multiply it if it's not blessed. That's why I can, I'm telling you, church, we need to be faithful with the tithe. Um, there's, a, there's a verse here in Romans chapter 11 and verse 16. It says, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. What's it talking about here? Another translation says, if the first of the lump of dough, the first fruits of it is holy, it's a lump of dough, then the whole lump is holy. So once, once the first fruit is given... It, it, it does something supernatural to what's left over. Hallelujah. So, principle number one, something must be blessed before it can multiply. Principle number two, it's only what's been given that God can multiply. You must give to see this multiplication principle take place. Place. The blessed bread, the blessed fish in the disciples' hands. They'd been blessed. Everybody say they were blessed. Now it had the potential of multiplication. It didn't have any potential for multiplication until it was blessed. If they had taken those little two fish and, and those five loaves, even though it was blessed, if they had eaten it themselves, there'd be no multiplication. Correct? It would have been gone. But something, I've said it before, something takes place supernaturally. When we begin to give something over and above the tithe. You say, oh, pastor's getting out there right now. He's trying to get us to tithe and he's trying to give. This is where the multiplication principle kicks in. You say, well, isn't my tithe my giving? I, I, I'm going to blow your mind here. Tithing, in your notes. Tithing is not giving. Say that with me. Tithing is not giving. It's returning. You know, God says it's his. He said, bring me the first tenth. I own it all. I'm giving you all this to use, but I want the first tenth. If you do that, you're blessed. The first fruits are the Lord's already. The 90% is yours to keep, and I'll redeem the 90%. I'll, I'll stretch the 90%, but I want to see, first of all, that you're willing to give me the tithe. So tithing is not giving, it's returning. And then the second principle that we talked about here is the principle that if you go over and above the tithe, if you give over and above the tithe, that's the part that God begins to multiply. Tithes and offerings, many times in the Word of God, they go together in Scripture. The one verse in Malachi says, you've robbed me. How have we robbed you, God? He says, in tithes and offerings. So there's a principle. Together they bring blessing. There's something powerful about giving above the tithe. When I've just paid the tithe, 
I've just paid the bill with God. I really haven't given anything. I was telling, I think it was Brother Mark, we were talking about this last week. And I said, you know what, when I, 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 at the end of the year, I always take what I get for receipts from the church and from the district and, and all the places that I give to. I get those receipts that I use for my taxes. And I, be, I can claim that money on my taxes, that, that charitable giving. When, when I add it up, I want to verify at what percentage am I given. If I, I, all my tithes and my missions and my youth account and giving to the church and giving in sacrificial offerings, wh where am I at financially? And, and I'm not bragging to tell you this, but usually I find that I'm somewhere between the 16 and 18% of my income is given. The first tenth is just me paying God. But, but my blessing comes, the multiplication comes in what I give above the tithe. Some people call this, you know, the, the law of the harvest. If you sow seeds in a harvest, how many are familiar with the harvest? You sow seeds. That one little seed can produce a whole lot of harvest. Some people call offerings seed offerings. Have you ever heard that? Are you going to give a seed offering? It's sowing. You're not really giving seeds, but it's sowing into the kingdom of God. You're given to a missionary. You're given to a project. You're given to your local church. You're given to the youth account. You're sowing into the harvest. And that's what God can take that seed offering, and he can begin to multiply it. You put a corn seed in the ground, and it produces a stalk and many, many corn on that stalk. And then on each corn cob, there's many, many new seeds. That one little seed produced an abundant crop. I'm challenging this church that if you will get this principle, if you would just understand that God wants to bless your finances, God wants to multiply your finances, God wants to take your finances and let them go further than you've ever seen them go before. I've seen it happen. You say, well, I haven't even started tithing yet. How can I talk about giving? Forget the giving part right now. Get started with tithing. Because tithing opens the windows of heaven. Tithing rebukes the devourer in your life. Tithing brings blessings on your finances. T tithing is good. But once you get that, if you're a tither, go the step further and start becoming, and I'm going to call it, a dynamic giver. If you start becoming dynamic and you're given. God's going to show up in your finances. God's going to bless. And it's not all finances, church. This blessing that I'm talking about, it's not just finances. It will be finances, but it's going to be health. It's going to be blessing in your mind. It's going to be healing in your body. It's going to be answered prayers in your family. It's God showing up in every part of your life. God's going to bless your marriage. God's going to bless every part of your life if you get this principle. So when we bring the tithe and offerings to God, it supernaturally activates the blessings of Malachi chapter 3. And it supernaturally activates the multiplication principle in your life. Now I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I want you to receive the word of God. I want you to lift up your hands and talk to God. I'm going to invite the music to come back. We're not done here. In fact, I've got God's told me what to do at the end of the service. But I want you to receive the word of God right now. Take a moment and talk to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I receive the word of God right now. God, I pray that you would help me to understand the principles. God, I don't want to be confused in this, God. I don't want to be deceived by the enemy. Because, God, I want for me, God, for my family, for this church, God, I want the blessings of God. I want the open heaven over us, God. Lord, when the open heaven is there, God, we can see supernatural signs. We can see wonders. We can see miracles. We can see deliverances, God. We can see salvations that will take place because we live under an open heaven. God, I'm wanting you to multiply, God, as, as I sow the seed, God, as I, as I give, God, to to missions as I give God to this church God I pray that as I give it God Lord God you would help me to become a dynamic giver God help me to receive God from you God as I do this let your word God get down in my hearts in the name of Jesus everybody said in Jesus name say it one more time in Jesus name hallelujah there's an open heaven over this church because I've been praying it. And with an open heaven, anything can happen in the house of God.
today, I, I really felt it in prayer that at the end of the service, we're going to receive the word of God, but we're not going to come and pray about that. That's something for you to go home, and you're going to make a decision, and either you're going to do it or you're not. That's up to you. I can't force that. All I can do is present it from the word of God. But I believe there's an open heaven in this church, and I believe God wants to do some supernatural things this morning. I believe God wants to heal some bodies. I believe God wants to restore things that are broken. I believe God wants to set some people free. I believe God wants to do something great in this house right now. And because we're praying for an open heaven over life, church, I believe God's going to honor the prayers of this people. Amen? So, so right now, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here in this place right now, and you have a need in your body, you have a need in your life, you have a need in your finances, you have a need in your family, whatever you need today, I'm going to invite you right now by faith that you're going to step out and you're going to come to this altar. God's going to work. God's going to heal. God's going to answer prayer. God's going to open doors. God's going to provide. God is going to do something supernatural, and I believe it, because we're living under an open heaven. God's going to restore. God's going to meet the need. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram and on Facebook search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.